Good morning. So today's WGO podcast. It started with a comment. So there's like two comments that were zingers to me the last 24 hours. And it's funny uh, the effect that a comment can have. Um, you know, maybe some of you are less sensitive, maybe some of you are more sensitive, but the power of a comment, it can, it can, it can have some shockwaves. Now, the, the fresh comment, I'll, I'll share the two comments early, and then I'll try to, you know, revisit them both and why. But the first comment was, I woke up, the first thing I saw on my phone this morning was uh, a response from a musician in San Francisco, I believe is where he lives. Saw him on uh, perform here locally last year. And uh, he's pretty intense. Pretty intense show, one-man show, and uh, he has a he, he built a robot band and he tours with a robot band. It's called Captured by Robots, and uh, he said it's not all about you, Jerry. And that was a zinger for me because I kind of kind of it kind of caught me off guard a little bit because I. I when I had responded to something really relatively benign, he had said something about, you know, a combination of hydration and uh, a drug and relaxation or something like that. Yesterday was a recipe for to to help him in some way. I don't know all the details, but yeah, I just kind of saw it and as a connection back, because I I just kind of I don't know why I like to connect with folks like that. I feel like it's part of what I do artistically and as a person it's just how I'm wired you know I like to connect with people and um my connection back was just something along the lines of yeah for me you know good rest uh good walk a good beer uh or something along those lines it's, it, it works for me and it really wasn't saying go do that or anything like that it was just kind of a kind of a what's up man type thing for me, but it, but the way it bounced back at me was it's not all about you, Jerry, which of course got me paranoid because I do spend, you know, obviously I spend mornings doing this podcast, and uh, you know as I navigate my day, of course it's about me in a lot of ways, and that was what kind of what I responded back to him with. I was like, yeah. You know, it, it, no, it, you know, I said, well, I said, not, said this. No, it's not about me. And I spent the last couple of days stargazing, camping out in a really dark sky. <coughs> stargazing. I was able to see not only our own Milky Way galaxy, but the Andromeda galaxy and what they... M33, which is the Triangulum Galaxy, I believe is the correct, some of the correct terminology. So not only our galaxy, but two other galaxies. And when you look at that and you understand some of the, what constitutes a galaxy and some of the distances involved, you, you know, you very rightly see yourself as very, very small and very insignificant. 
you know, a very, very fractional part of the universe and the cosmos and the story. And that's real. That seems to be about as scientific as you can get. That you really are not even a speck of dust in a very vast universe of universes. And possibly all of that is just one of a many other things. You just don't know. You rapidly get to a point where you can't perceive or conceive. You can't you can't see or sense it or detect it and you can't even imagine what it might be. So, you know, in that sense I know it's not about me. It's scientific fact. But the other side of the coin is the very fact that I hit record on a piece of technology that a human willed into existence. And I'm talking and moving my vocal cords and, and moving air and this microphone that somebody else willed into existence and invented picks up these whatever it is, sound vibrations or you know, changes in air, whatever, however it works. I'm curious to break that down one day, actually, thinking about it. Uh, and, and I'll hit the button on this piece of technology that some you know, human monkey figured out how to do, and then able to process and uh, attempt to put into words any type of anything. It's, this consciousness is real. It's real at a human scale. And there, that human's consciousness and the fact that a, I can hit record and talk and walk around and see this park, well then of course it's about you as well. It's a, it's a, a dichotomy I guess is the right word. It has to be about you. You're wired for survival. And the world and the universe that humans inhabit right now in 2020 doesn't seem to care about you that much. So you have to selfishly pursue things and money and, and food and everything else. In fact, some political parties would advocate that that's all they're going to be. There's a brutal, every man for himself approach. And even the, the more uh, you know government partnership or whatever side of the political thing and people that want social programs and social security so you got the people that's people that want every man for himself if you don't earn it today you don't get it you know you eat what you kill and you got the other side that's like no 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 you know we'll have that you know people can go out work and solve problems and invent new things and serve people and do it all the rest you'll help and but we'll also have a safety net of sorts for everybody to have this baseline you know regardless though you have to at the end of the day you're still providing for yourself and for your others so in that sense you, you you're, if you're being honest that is selfishness because you do have to just care about yourself caring about others won't put food on your table usually 
I, mean, I, I am striving very hard, and I'm teaching my kids to find a way. That, I gotta get away from that high-pitched whistle. I bet this microphone is gonna pick that up. Some type of motor at this facility. I got a little too close to that building. Stay away from that. Um, what I'm saying is, you got the vastness of the universe that makes it very clear that it's not about you, Jerry. But you also have the very real day in and day out human consciousness and our awareness as an animal that demands that we survive. And if we are in, if we're surviving, then in our modern 2020, what we're really talking about is hustling and making money so that you can buy food and buy water and buy transportation and buy housing and anything else you think you might want or need. And, you know, whether you like all that or not, whether you're materialistic or not, you still have to do it. It's the way it's set up. That's not realistic that you're going to go out and forage for your own fucking food all the time. I mean, even if you grow your own garden, can you really sustain yourself with just that all year? So you're inevitably going to come in contact with other humans and engage in economic activity. You're going to trade something for food. And we're way beyond that now anyway, most of us. We want our computers. We want, we want our air conditioning. We need our machines or, to or something to do. So, <coughs> while it's not all about me, Jerry, it is. It is all about you all the time. It has to be. That's how you're wired for survival, in my opinion. Now, given that we are, you know, to be more comedic about it, a, a, a pack of wild monkeys running amok with nuclear weapons on a tiny speck of sand in the middle of nowhere, given that, I think it would be helpful to have some of us pursue arts that try and make life as good as possible for the greatest number of people. Now, this line of reasoning, this line of logic, has gotten humans in big, big, big trouble over the years. This is the type of thing that forms movements, that forms political parties, that forms groups of hate, that attacks others to cleanse, that, that, that demands re-education camps and things of this sort. Even if it's not physically a camp, it can still be a re-education re camp if you play the game of, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't get that degree, you didn't follow the protocol, well, then you, then you suffer consequences. I mean, that, that's a form of re-education camp, man. If you don't see it my way, see it my way or else, kind of a thing. And but you gotta have some some humans. Well here's it is. Whether you want them to or not, some humans are gonna engage in some form of planning and organization to benefit themselves and to provide security for what they perceive as threatened. So whether you like it or not. That seems to be an organizing principle with us crazy monkeys spinning around a rock. That some are going to be engaged in securing for themselves a measure, a buffer, 
a certain level of wealth, a certain amount of certainty, and it's survival and then some. Because there is, there are other complicating factors like pleasure. So if you kind of stripped away the wealth-seeking thing, you can get into things like pleasures. Like, you know, you kind of visualize like, I'm just going to throw out like a Genghis Khan, for example. And if, he, if him and his nomadic tribesmen go out and, and do what they do, loot and, and run, run buckshot over an entire vast territory, well, then you get everything that comes with that. You get all the food. You get access to the animals. You aren't threatened by other tribes because you have sufficient, a sufficient army, a sufficient group of people who are willing to snuff out any kind of opposition within your sphere of influence. And you get all the things that come with that. If you're the, the toughest brute, you get all the sex. You get all the good food. You get a comfortable, secure bed. You get security that may come with, uh, with having others that agree that this is a good system because they too eat from the trough, the, the profit, the, the benefit, the pleasure dividend. So if you concede that this seems to be a fundamental organizing thing that humans engage in, that you can't re if you assume that you can't really do much about that, that that's a futile effort, well then, wouldn't you hope that you had some artistics, some people that would try to conceive of a world and try to project out there into the space a vision of things that would not be so self-centered, that really would make the human existence better for everyone. And I, you know, I've gone a step further in my efforts to try to try to formulate and 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 spread the word about let's have a good life for everybody, at least materialistically and to the extent possible, minimal bullshit and maximum security so that basically everyone can enjoy a nice walk like I did this morning. All humans are entitled to be able to relax and breathe clean air and have some fucking space to not be crowded around by a bunch of other fucking monkeys all damn day long. And, and when, I was, when I woke up, able to casually pull up to a place and get a nice delicious iced coffee. You don't have to drink coffee. Maybe you like fucking water or maybe you like whatever. I don't it doesn't the details don't matter. It's the bounty. It's the security. It's things working. It's having sufficient wealth to be in a vehicle that runs and doesn't break down and create a whole other level of disturbing stress that takes away from the ability to think and be peaceful and heal from a day the last couple of days of actually doing a lot of physical work with my, you know, situation with, you know, doing, doing, going camping and doing activities with your kids is, is great, but it's also a lot of work, a lot of wear and tear. So the, the luxury of this time and, and I was able to sleep in a bed and it didn't have animals trying to eat me in the middle of the night. And I didn't have other tribesmen from other tribes coming and trying to fucking raid my village in the middle of the night. That is good stuff worth fighting for, worth preserving. So you, you better hope that there's some artists out there. And I say the word artist because I think that economist doesn't capture it. Economist assumes you went to the London School of Economics or you went to the University of Chicago or Berkeley or whatever the fuck it is now. And you have a bunch of math to, to you know sit there and wobble your fucking head all day like you have all the answers. 
Fuck that. That's, that's arguably how we keep perpetuating what we're doing now. It's like you can't talk about economic, making economic art and that making the interactions between humans better for everyone and trying to figure out what better means and not being afraid to own the materialistic aspects of that. The betterment of humans in 2020 does involve materialism. And people have a problem with that. Especially now, they immediately associate it with, oh, that's economic, uh, that's a ecological disaster. That'll be the end of it. We can't have it that way because it'll destroy the environment. Bullshit. A, we have to figure out what it is we're talking about. And I propose the American middle class lifestyle for all because it assumes a private, quiet dwelling, free of racket and noise and bullshit when you don't want it, so you can properly rest your fucking biological being. Two, it assumes transport, so you have the freedom to come and go as you wish and not be bothered by other monkeys. That's what happens when you're on a public transport. That makes sense in certain cases, and I'm not saying tear up the fucking rails, but let's plan for everyone to have their own transport. Etc. Etc. The American middle class lifestyle for all assumes <coughs> the privacy. Assumes the, the peace and quiet when, when the day is done for you. Whenever that is. It could be four in the morning for you. I don't know. But when you're done, you turn it off. You turn it off. You're not bothered because you're poor or because you're trapped in an economic situation with some yahoo next door. Some, some bully, where to me, go out to fucking get a coffee in the morning, you gotta hide from people. Fuck that. That's what that means. It doesn't mean pitching, uh, you know, some store and some materialistic shit that doesn't matter. It can be for people. I'm not trying to tell people they can't go do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a certain baseline from what you can do, whatever it is you do. And I argue that that's an artist. That's an economic artist. That's artistry. It's not numbers and just strictly like, like quantifiable things. Okay, so yeah, it's not all about me, Jerry, but it is. It is about me because I have to, I have to survive too, just like you, whoever you are. It's not just, talking to the to the dude from from captured it's not it's not a, it's not about me focusing on him it's just that it did it, it rubbed me wrong because I don't want to be selfish I don't want to be selfish I don't want to be perceived as selfish I don't want to be written off as selfish but I do want to put out there and get people comfortable with the idea that you can align your pursuit of a life that you have to do for survival with the greater good for the species. And that greater good is not, I got all the answers. It's more like that art that continuously needs to be done and we have to be, the art has to be honest. And, 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 and it also can't be shackled by what we think is fact because that stuff changes. And I'm, I'm, I've, also, I've mentioned before, but I'm, I'm laying it out more and more detail. And I want everybody, I want you to beat it up. I want you to attack me on it. I want, I want the feedback because I need it. 
to keep it honest. But I'm challenging the very notion of scarcity at human scales. I want to challenge that because I think that that's not applicable in most cases. And where it is, I want to really put a spotlight on that. For example, electric cars. I think I've stumbled in this process, and I've mentioned this before, so pardon me if you've heard this, but if the real holdup and why we're not already driving electric vehicles is that there's just not enough lithium and we don't have any other battery technology that can do what lithium ions do, and lithium ion clearly with Tesla and some other things, it seems like, is a step in the direction where we ultimately want to be, and that you have vehicles that can get close to 300 miles, 400 miles of range on a single charge using lithium-ion technology. Now, if lithium is just the only thing right now that we have, that we know works, and we just don't have enough lithium, well, that needs to be in everybody's consciousness. Everybody needs to quit bidding up, uh, you know, Tesla stock. I'm just picking on the, that a little bit to speak figuratively. You can do what you want. But quit thinking it's, it's real if it's not going to be real because there's a real shortage of something. That's, I think we'll find a few of those little things that we need to, as a species, put the laser on and fucking be honest about. But right now, we're all so busy and distracted and full of fucking anger and frustration and just distractions all the time. Are there so much... So much noise in our fucking receivers of our fucking consciousness. So much noise. We're not tuned to a clear channel. So we can't see things like that. We, we can't allow ourselves to be like, oh, you know what? Why are we putting up with this scarcity thing as a fundamental tenet of our economic existence? And I call bullshit on that. I think you got scarcity in five things. Lithium being one of them, maybe. I mean, I'm just trying to pin it up and frame up the argument. Hope you see where I'm going with that. So, it's not all about me. You're right. In a very real sense, I saw that with my own eyes stargazing this week with my, with my kid and with Manny. Saw it. I know it. On the other hand, it is always about you. And it's about me too. Because our consciousness demands that we survive and we pay attention to what we need because you have to eat. And when you get into that rabbit hole, you start figuring out what are you going to do to get the resources to eat or how are you going to do that? Even if you want to go out and forage your own, you still got to buy a piece of land, don't you? So that gets you into the economic arena. Whether you want to or not, we're all trapped. I didn't make the fucking rules. I inherited this bitch like you did. And it'll take artists to get us out of it, to make it better for all. Now, when I say better, I am kind of focused on the material thing. I, I am. Because I think if you do that, then you create conditions where if folks just want to fucking read and take naps all day, or piddle in their shops or garages, they can do that. If you take care of that materialistic economic thing. But am I, is that going to really make things better in terms of happiness? No. That, that ultimately resides in a, in, a, in a more strange realm that's, to me, more challenging. Because you know, I think, I saw something years ago, you have to happiness is a decision. That, that resonated with me. I think at certain levels that is true. That happiness is a decision. You have to decide to be happy. You, the only happiness in something is what you're bringing into it. Like with kids, I noticed something new, something novel is exciting to them. So they're happy, they're smiling. Like doing something, you know, just going and doing something 
they're excited. Just the act that that generates whatever chemicals inside and makes them smile. But is so, so that's why it's a little trickier, right? It's like it's not just that they they decided to be happy. There is something clearly that the idea of hey, you want to go to the park or go to this, yeah, 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 yeah. You know that gets them excited because it's triggered certain associations that are interesting. So there's that comment. Let me get on to the other one. Because the other one, it was a gut punch, and it was disappointing is what the other one was. So yesterday, as I'm packing up my tent, I'm cleaning up the mess from camping, which, by the way, reminds me I need to pull the tarps out so they don't mildew because everything gets the dew in the evenings when you camp, especially in the mountains like that. Everything gets kind of a dew layer of moisture that you need to dry before you pack your gear up because you'll end up with a mold and stinky stuff. Anyway. I digress. So, the other comment, I'm folding up and cleaning up the camping, and hmm, as I'm cleaning up and packing up the camping, I, um, sorry, walking past the playground. Um, so we're cleaning up, and there was a group of guys next to us that were throwing a football. And the one, and these guys had come late to the camp the night before. I had noticed they were set up right at right when it was getting dark. They were one of the last people they let into the star field. And they were throwing a football, and they made a comment that they thought they were encroaching in our area. And you know, I, we didn't make any gesture that way. We didn't make any body language or anything like that. But they made the comment. I said, oh, no, 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 you guys have fun. I got one here myself and pulled out my football. They were throwing a football. And I was like, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. We were busy. And, you know, to me that was, you know, should have, should have promulgated through the ether and spirit of, oh, that guy's cool. And, oh, okay, we'll play. And maybe he wants to play with us or something along the, more in that ballpark. So, here, I push pause for a second and go to the restroom. Find the pause. Sun's bright out here today. Hold on one sec. Okay, I'm back. So, again, breaking down the tent, and there were these dudes next to us that come in later in the evening, and they were um, throwing the ball, and it's it's it, you know said something about oh watch out or maybe don't do that you know they they thought they were interfering with us and they weren't even anywhere close to us. And I reassured them, no, 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 have fun, man. We're rolling out. I got my ball, too. I wanted to do it, too. Thought, thought that would settle it, right? Anyway, a couple minutes later, um, this really tall dude walks over and uh, goes, hey, man, do you know what to do with these envelopes? And it was the you know honor system. You put $15 in an envelope, fill out your name and tag number and stuff like that. And you drop it in this little box. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, it's right over there." And um, and he go, and I, you know, ex explained to him, tear it off and stuff. He's like, "Thanks, thanks." And okay, and I was like, "Cool." And he seemed, you know, really well, well educated. He struck me as well educated, and he struck me as a nice guy. You know, I was like, "Cool, man, this is cool." Connection, human connection. It's good. It's important, right? 2020. 
Well, then he did something that was that was strange, and the Zinger helmet came in. He uh, comes back over a couple minutes later and says, "Hey, man, would you mind taking a picture of us?" And I was like, "Oh, no, no, no! Oh, yeah, sure." And then he made the Zinger. He goes, "I know we're brown and all, but would you mind?" And I instantly just reacted. I said, "Oh, man, fuck yeah! I'll, I'll do it. I don't, I don't care." So that's the Zinger. So these dudes, it was I think it was five guys total, one white dude, and four Indian dudes, South Asian dudes from India or something. But they weren't from India. They were clearly born in the United States because of their accents. I didn't, I didn't detect any Indian accent or South Asian accent. They seemed to be the sons of Indian Americans. And they seemed to be, I would guess, wealthy and probably went to good schools, would be my guess, just based on mannerisms and how tall people were, how they looked and how they carried themselves and how they spoke. So for him to make the comment was racist. And it did bother me a little bit. And it didn't bother me in a confrontational way. It bothered me because it, it hurt my soul a little bit. It hurt my feelings. I was like, really? So this guy assumed that I would have a problem taking his picture because they were brown. When, I, when that thought had not even entered my mind, other than maybe a little bit, I'd probably have to confess that I'm always happy when different ethnicities or different groups, be it white, black, Asian, Indian in this case, uh, Native American, you know, something somebody from Guatemala or something, you know, when there's a connection and a human's with a smile and you feel like you made a connection, that always makes me happy a little bit because it's just, I guess, inside of me, I want that to be real all the time for everybody. Like everybody to see the astro, you know, the cosmolo- cosmological, the astrolam- astro, the uni- universe reality, which is we are literally all slightly different types of monkeys <laughs> chilling out on this fucking piece of sand in the middle of nowhere. Like so, so, so that shit. But that's not what he was doing. What he did was he assumed because I was white, because he was racist, he assumed certain things about me because of my skin color. Now what he didn't know was that my friend Manny said he was from, Manny's from Mexico, he said. He says father came from Mexico. Manny self-identifies as Mexican, which I didn't know all those years working with him because I never really thought about it, never even paid attention. If I was gonna guess, I would have even said his last name was Middle Eastern or maybe Spanish. Like from Spain, but so this guy didn't even didn't he didn't want to know stuff like that. He wasn't looking to bond. He was, you know, by saying, "I know we're brown and all." He injected into that all kinds of weird forces for me. It's like a he sized me up as a racist. B he didn't have the spirit of knowing the truth, which was I'm not a racist at all. And in fact, I was happy that we were connecting and talking, and. If you dug deeper and were probing, he would find that it was not two white dudes or three white dudes over there. It was actually a lot more complicated than that. But he didn't want to do all that. He couldn't be bothered with that, you know, because he was putting forth racism. And what's scary is I think with certain you know, elite circles, there is some racial stuff. I think that certain groups, they, they do. They, they, they come in and profit off stuff, and they think that, that you know, this, this group or that group is this, or, you know, they, with white people, maybe they're dumb and lazy. They make some generalization like that. 
and then we're dumb, lazy, and racist. <laughs> you know, it's just weird. It was. I don't want to get. I don't want to get off track too much. But the fact, the fact is, he said this, and it was shocking to me in some way. And it hurt. It hurt me. It hurt my soul a little bit because I was like, no, man. No, dude. I wasn't fucking looking at you like you're brown. And, th and therefore, I'm going to treat you differently. I wasn't thinking that at all. I certainly wasn't thinking at any level that I wouldn't auto-correct if I strayed into that or if we engaged. Like, if we hung out, and then he came over to my camp or I went over to his camp, and we were hanging out, and I said something and I caught myself, then I would catch myself and, and be like, you know, I was... I don't know why the hell I said that, man. That's kind of fucked up, wasn't it? But you know, maybe he thought the same. There wasn't, they were on their way out. There wasn't enough time to get into it too much. But the, fa the, 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 the fact is it was a comment. And sometimes those comments are real zingers. They get you. And they get, it's the feedback I want in some ways. It's, it forces me to come out of this. Yesterday I was in like a shell of you know, glow, like a relaxing meditative glow from stargazing and you know I hadn't slept much and I was kind of coming to and it was a beautiful hot morning and it had been very cold the night before like 40 degrees damp cold and here I got zapped back into human monkey economic shit because that's all tied together to me people are racist mostly because of economics they feel threatened economically people argue with that, that with me that on that all the time but I think the most vicious human behaviors and warfare and killing is rooted in economics. I'm fighting you over that fucking water hole. I'm fighting you over those good farmlands. I'm going to kill you to have this area where I can get the elk or the deer or the buffalo. I'm going to kill you because I can and I can have all your sex in your camp. I'm going to kill you because I need some slaves to do some shit for me. I need workers. This is not a white thing, guys. This is fucking how humans act. It's economic, too. And part of it is just because you can. That's why it's very important to not be... Talk to a Vietnam vet on the way back. He was at Dunkin' Donuts. We got talking. He, somehow he ended up talking. Ended up talking. He's a Vietnam vet. And he goes, that Vietnam was the most beautiful country. The most beautiful country. And he's, as he's flying into this place way up in North Vietnam and seeing the beautiful beaches, he said... And then he looked down and saw this bob, the bob wire barricaded areas for the base they were getting going to land in. And he's like, fucking man, if it wasn't for all this shit, I mean, what the fuck are we fighting a war here for? That's how he felt when he was a young, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old guy. You know, he was like, what the fuck? Why are we doing this? You know, this place is beautiful. This is awesome. But he also said something else. He's like, even despite he saw the insanity of war, and, then, and he said that, he said something along those lines. It's just craziness, absolute craziness. But you have to be vigilant anyway. You still have to be, remain vigilant because there seems to be something with humans and monkeys that, that, that if they can exploit a weakness, if they realize that you can't stop something, they'll run buckshot over you. They'll steamroll you. It shouldn't be the truth, but it is the truth. You have to assume it's the truth and be ready. So basically you're locked and loaded and you hopefully never use it. And you don't wave it around carelessly either. You don't get a condition where because you're, you're locked and loaded that you feel the need to 
how you, you feel the need to use it. Like, like there was argument that that's how World War One got started with the Schifflin plan or whatever. People were kind of paranoid and arming up and getting locked and loaded, and it, it, and then there was a fucking spark that ignited this huge fire. You don't want that. But you just quietly take a piece of your national wealth or world wealth and you make it such that if anybody got any crazy ideas, you put an end to that quickly. You neutralize it. You don't have to murder and kill, but you can neutralize it. You can neutralize it. We get in the era of chemical and biological and some of these more exotic weaponry systems, that's more challenging. It assumes a level of science and staying on the cutting edge of things that is very stressful. You wish people would just cool the fuck out and assume the cosmic perspective that we're all in this together and just figure out a way to make it better for everybody. And you, you don't have to abandon the core inside of you, that what history has taught you, that you need to be you know, vigilant. Like For example, people think that there may be this primal thing that why some people are nervous or get a little uneasy around snakes and maybe it came from when we were in trees years and years and years ago thousands of years ago where they were a real threat and we retain this primal unease and fear about them because of what we used to have to deal with on a regular basis of getting you know putting our hand on a branch where there was a snake that bit us you know maybe that's kind of how modern humans need to be as, as we move forward to a more utopic a more a better world for everybody I mean, we strive for that to make things better you also can be honest about, I still need to look out for snakes, make sure I don't step on a snake. I need to be ready. Ideally, you're ready the most because you're paying attention and you can perceive the threat long before it's a threat, a real threat, and you just can avoid it. That's better than weaponry, right, or killing. But at the same time, you can easily, easily neutralize the problem if you need to. I think it's folly to assume that, that the one tribe is evil because they're, they've got that, you know, one tranche of humanity is evil because they think that way and everybody else is kumbaya, fucking peace and love and hippy-dippy shit. I don't think the hippy-dippy shit's real. I think even if you had an age with no weaponry, somebody would still have weaponry. Somebody would throw a fucking rock or goddamn hit you in the head with a fucking log. So don't be stupid. But anyway, getting back to the comments, I just want to wrap up this. I don't try to be as long-winded, but two Zinger comments resonated with me. And I consider it a blessing that people are part of my this short time, this life on this rock with me. To know and would care enough to not necessarily care enough, but be engaged enough to make a comment. But it's not all about you, Jerry. You're right, it's not. And I shouldn't be selfish. And I should be aware that if I'm walking as if I have all the answers or coming at people like that, it's not, certainly not what, I'm, what I want to do. That's not my intent. And would you mind taking a picture? I know we're brown and all. That gets into more what I think the problem is with modern 2020 with racism. I don't think the racism is, is white folks at all most of the time now. I think it's other people. People of color have become quite racist, and they are, or people of ideology have become quite racist, and they don't see their own racism. 
because they all went to the good schools and they have wealth. So they have all this, all this around them validating what they feel like are their views. But their views are increasingly quite intolerant of others. They certainly don't have love in their hearts for what I saw in this part of rural Pennsylvania where we're stargazing, which is, you know, it's get-her-done country. Now, I, I was at a gas station talking to locals, and I felt brotherhood. And I don't think if people engage and talk and we keep things going and we, and we keep dialogue open and we don't get into crazy land, I don't think that, the, that those Indian guys would have had anything different. I think if they would have engaged and not been condescending in their uh, tone and certainly not coming into it, perceiving every white guy in a convenience store as, as a racist, that they would have found that the guy would have turned around and said, yeah, the pizza here is good like the guy did to me. Or the other guy who was lived, had, lived, had, lived, had lived in Gallatin, Pennsylvania for third for 63 years and, w- and was telling me the story of the area when I mentioned about the, saw, the, the lumber mill I saw and, and, and looking for evidence of rail lines back there. He told me the whole thing, and he was, he was very nice. And I think they would have had the same experience if they would have come into it with a spirit of brotherhood and not been racist coming into it. So the comments spur me to challenge myself and what I think about it and why it bothered me. And now with WGO, I want to share it because it is part of what's going on. WGO is what's going on. And what's going on, we need to, we need to talk and be honest about our economic needs and our, self, our, our selfishness and what we need. And we need to be honest about race and who's racist and who's not and why they're racist which is, to me, also very much connected to economics. This guy had the, had the, it appeared to me that he had the luxury to be racist because he was in a, in, a, in a comfortable spot. And what disturbs me is the way the capital works today and the way wealth works today is that he's locked in that for him and his family for, for, for the foreseeable future. He, he, he felt as if, to me, he was coming from locked-in wealth that's continuing to acquire assets and acquire businesses and acquire things. And they're oriented in such a way that they don't... There's not hang-ups about acquiring more and more and more and more and more. So you're going to have a locking-in of all that comes with that. And that's not good. Like, we, we can't have a bunch of rich racists of various colors and types around the world shitting on everybody else who can't keep up with them or didn't have the same blessings or didn't have the same start. That's not sustainable. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. Love everybody. I'm, I really, really, really do feel a lot of love more often than not. All right, let's make it a good day, man. Take it easy, y'all.